Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to the T3M podcast. We are the realest podcast in the dunya. So if you like what you see, check out our channel, our other episodes, like, comment and subscribe and check out our Patreon inshallah. Today we're joined with a very, very special guest, Brother John Fontaine. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How you doing? Yeah, wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. How you doing, bro? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I need to correct you on your introduction. What did I mess up? You said that it's the realest podcast. <laughs> but Young Smirks, my podcast is so. Okay. MashaAllah. <laughs> MashaAllah. What, what, what's the name of the podcast again? Young Smirks. Young Smirks. Yeah. MashaAllah. Check out. Uh, hey, two, the two realest podcasts in the dungeon. How about that? <laughs> All right. MashaAllah. So this is T3M X uh, Young Smirks, MashaAllah podcast. Joint together to bring you the realest episode in the dunya, inshallah. <laughs> <laughs> inshallah. <laughs> Subhanallah. So, Brother John, I know you have a very, very interesting uh, story to Islam. Uh, so, do you mind giving a brief introduction about yourself just so the viewers and audience know um, who the realest brother in the dunya is, mashallah? <laughs> mashallah. Uh, my name is John Fontaine. I'm from the UK. I'm from Manchester. Um, I've been a Muslim for about 11 years. Um, I found Islam when I was in Africa. And uh, yeah, since then I've been doing Dawah, um, trying to help education in Africa and trying to do a lot of charity and Dawah work in Africa. Um, also researching uh, for my book uh, about Jesus and the Injil, about the Islamic perspective of revelation and how we can kind of give Dawah to Christians. Um, yeah, that's it really. Um, I've got the Young Smirks podcast uh, where I interview different sheikhs about different topics. So yeah, alhamdulillah. I'm currently living in Turkey. I was living in Uganda and Kuwait, so I travel quite a lot. I've uh, been to over 70 countries, a lot of them many different times as well. So I'd kind of travel around teaching the basics of Dawah. I'm not a sheikh, but I teach the basics of Dawah and the basics of Islam to try to help Muslims just understand the basics, basically, you know, Mashallah. stuff that sheikhs get bored with doing, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't mind teaching people the basics of Islam and getting people to, you know, a good, good level of Islam, inshallah. Inshallah. Mashallah. May Allah reward you for that. Beautiful work, mashallah. So uh, you mentioned you reverted. You've been a Muslim for 11 years, you said? Yeah. Subhanallah. So what was your perception of Islam beforehand? And what was your life like before Islam? And how did you end up coming to Islam? Um, yeah, I've, I've said this story many times, but um, yeah, I was scared. Of, I was scared of Islam in the beginning. You know, I thought it was, you know, all terrorists. And I didn't really know much about Islam. Um, being from England, um, we didn't really grow up with many Muslims. Um, but then the area where I used to live, there was a lot of Africans came and lived in the area about uh, 15 years ago. And this is when I got introduced to uh, brothers from uh, Nigeria, Sierra Leone. Um, they were Muslim by name. They were not really practicing Islam, but they were, they were you know, minimally Muslim, if you like. You know, they, they're Muslim by name. Some of them maybe fasted Ramadan, etc. but no one really prayed. Um, they were not really good guys. Uh, we was doing, you know, 
things that are not really uh, permissible. Um, and this kind of led me to start doing business with them. I started to travel to Africa, travel to Sierra Leone. And this is where I came into contact with uh, Muslims. I, I heard the Adhan for the first time. You know, I started to get familiar with Muslims. And it's the first time I actually seen um, black Muslims. I was actually shocked, you know, because I thought Islam was more for like Arabs and Pakistanis. Um, and I was, I was familiar with African people, but I didn't, I didn't really associate them with Islam. So, so actually traveling to Africa, um, you know, connected that association. And it kind of made Islam more palatable to me because I was familiar with Africa and, and Africans and, and I could accept Islam from them, you know, because I was familiar with them. Um, whereas, you know, uh, Asian, Pakistani, Arab, it was difficult to kind of accept a religion from, you know, these people who I was, was not really, uh, didn't really know much about them. You know, it's a big cultural difference to what I was used to. So, um, yeah, so traveling in Africa, um, working in Africa, and uh, this kind of led me to start looking into Islam and eventually accepting Islam. So, yeah. Oh, mashallah. And, and you still do work in Africa today. I know you have a playlist on the YouTube channel about your work there. Yeah, so I, um, I went back to Africa after a few years. Um, when I came to Islam, I found out shortly after that I had a brain tumor. Um, so I, I, I had to stay in the UK for, for a couple of years. Um, I recovered from that, alhamdulillah. I had an operation and the brain tumor was removed. And then after that, I wanted to travel back to Sierra Leone, specifically Sierra Leone in West Africa, um, to try to help, you know, because it's, it is really one of the poorest countries in the world. Um, even in Africa, Sierra Leone is really, really one of the most difficult places in the world. So I wanted to kind of go there uh, with Islamic eyes. You know, last time I was going to Sierra Leone to try to make money and try to you know, <laughs> with not good intentions. And then now I was going back to Sierra Leone um, with, with good intentions to try to, to help and, and try to help Islam, basically. MashaAllah. So that's what Allah. led me back there, yeah. SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah. May Allah bless them and grant them, you know, proper guidance and proper Islam. Amen. Um, and reward you for your work. Allahumma ameen. So, SubhanAllah. You've been on the Dawah scene for, for quite some time then, MashaAllah. Yeah, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. So you being in the UK, obviously, you know, you know, Speaker's Corner, Hyde Park. Um, mm. Do you have any particular stances on Hyde Park? Because I know a, a few people say a, a few different things. Like I remember Hamza Zorsis mentioned um, that he doesn't go there for very specific reasons because uh, some, in some cases, just argumentation and all that. So mm. what, what are your thoughts on the Dawah scene in general? Um in the, the thing is, uh, a lot of Muslims who don't live in the UK, they think that there's a lot of dawah happening in the UK. Mm. Is, that the, is that the perception you guys get? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, people outside of the UK think, oh, you know, there's so much dawah happening in England. In, in reality, there's very little dawah going on in England. Oh. You know, it's just this kind of inflated perception online, you know, with um, different dawah organizations, um, uh, and, and obviously Hyde Park, um, you know, but the reality is most people in the UK, most white English people have never heard the truth about Islam. You know, there's very little dawah really happening. 
Um, and that's just my honest opinion, really. Looking at it from uh, my perspective, knowing that my, my extended family members and, and uh, fam, friends of family, they've never heard about Islam, you know. So, but Muslims kind of think that, these, that, the, that the job is being taken care of, that Dawah is, is really strong in the UK. It may be stronger than other parts of the world, but in reality, it's still not, not enough. Uh, when it comes to Hyde Park, I've been there a few times. Um, you know, um, I think one of the, the, the problems with Hyde Park is the cameras, you know, the cameras being around, everything being filmed. Um, you know, this can have a problem with, with people's intentions. It can also have a problem because people who are not qualified or if they, if they are teaching the wrong type of Islam, you know, there's a lot of mistakes happening. The videos are never edited, you know. So this is this is one of the, one of the problems, really. A lot of the times, a lot of the videos you see, they make big mistakes, um, you know, in in Islamic uh, from an Islamic perspective, you know, in the way that they, um, not just in the manners, but also in the the, the knowledge that they're supposedly um, conveying. Um, sometimes there's lots of mistakes in what people are saying. And it's difficult when you've got non-Muslims and, and other people filming you because you don't have uh, the power to edit that, that particular video. Yeah. So, you know, I think it, it's, it's, that's quite dangerous, really. Yeah. Um, that can, that become, can be quite dangerous. Yeah, it's kind of like, I yeah. can see how, how that would be an issue because with, when I started practicing um, Islam, I, the first thing I did was watch Hyde Park videos. And I, a, part, a part of it was just because how entertaining it was. And I feel like a lot of people just love how people are basically debating, arguing, going at each other. People are getting destroyed. You know, people love looking up things like uh, David Wood gets destroyed or Ben Shapiro destroys uh, college students and like all this stuff. And it's it's this um, this theme that's been going on. And I feel like that fuels um, a not so great part of, of Dawah or a not so great way of giving Dawah. So I can definitely see how it would be an issue. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I find it very entertaining. <laughs> you know, it's 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 fun. It's funny to watch. It's entertaining, but stuff all lies. It, is it that is that the correct way to give dawah? Is would you would you recommend that video to your own mother, <laughs> to your grandmother who's who's not a Muslim? You know, would you recommend it to someone you actually love? You know, yeah, you, you yeah. probably wouldn't. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but yeah, I mean, it's even even when you look further back into the older videos like Dida. Ahmed Dida and the other people who used to debate, they're very entertaining and, and may Allah reward them and may Allah re reward everyone for, for, for trying and, and giving dawah, you know, and, and doing their best. Amen. But at the same time, um, you know, sometimes you have to look, is that the, is that the correct way? Is that, is that the best way? Is that the most wisest way to give dawah? Um, maybe, maybe not, you know. Um, I think the test is if you would give it your parents, your non-Muslim parents. I think that's a good test to see if it is, uh, you know, a nice way of dawah or not. Yeah, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah. That's true. That's very true, mashallah. Um, me, myself, a lot of what I do on, on TikTok is just um, uh, reactionary or like responses, rebuttals, refutations to people who attack Islam on TikTok. And for that reason, alhamdulillah, my, my videos do pretty well. But it, again, it's just fueling this this like battle um it's like this kind of like um intellectual jihad and i i don't think that's that's the best way to, to teach islam because it, it, it instantly creates this uh, dichotomy 
right? This is them, us versus them kind of thing. Whereas Islam is telling us to come to terms and to invite people to religion of Allah. And was, I was actually having a conversation with my, uh, with my sheikh and he was telling me that this isn't even really da'wah. Because if you look at the prophets in the Quran, they all give da'wah by, by calling for a kind of economical, political, societal change to all the people, yaqomi, like my people. Um, and nowadays, I, I feel like a lot, like especially with what I do, a lot of da'wah has been trickled down to showing Islam is a way. It's acceptable. When we should be teaching Islam is the way and the only way. Uh, mm -hmm. So I feel like that's a fault I have in my own. Uh, and I feel like if we tear da'wah towards Islam being the one and only way, which a lot of brothers do, mashallah, on the da'wah scene, so may Allah reward them, I feel like it would um, have a significant impact, if, especially if we include the, the wisdom and the hikmah that you're talking about we should have and the method that we give da'wah in, inshallah. But speaking of which, uh, you mentioned you're writing a book about Jesus and the Injil, right? Mm -hmm. About giving da'wah to Christians. So could you yeah. tell us about some of your work with that? Yeah, um, you know, before I was a Muslim, when I, when I started searching into Islam, um, you know, I left Christianity when I was very young. I must have been seven or eight years old. I knew that Christianity was not the truth, you know. Um, and for those who have seen my story before, um, I've mentioned it a few times that um, I was in church and we had to write a song about God. And my, it was like a rap. And my song was called Jesus and God. And, um, and the pastor, he took my piece of paper and he changed the words to Jesus is God. Um, and, and I must have been seven or eight years old and, and I was not happy with that. You know, I was like, nah, what, what, what do you mean? You know, that doesn't make sense. You know, it's Jesus and God. You know, you know obviously from that young age, I was, I was on the fitrah. You know, the fitra is the innate belief that, that every human is born with to recognize and distinguish Allah from everything else. You know, everyone's born with that. To ex distinguish Allah, the creator, from the creation. And so from a very young age, I wasn't Christian. I, I, I knew it wasn't the truth. And, and I used to consciously in church, like, you know, obviously quietly, when I'm praying, I would say, God, I'm praying to you, not Jesus. You know, I, I would, that would be like my Bismillah, you know. It would be like, God, I'm praying to you, not Jesus, you know. And I would make a conscious effort to say that in every prayer. Um, and so, and, and, and as time went on, the, the more I started to study and learn about the Bible, the even less convinced I was about, about the whole religion. You know, um, and for me, I'd left the Bible. There was no way that this Bible was from the creator. None of it. You know, um, the more you study it, the more you realize it's authored by human beings. Um, th there's no way you can attribute it to the creator. So then when I'm searching into Islam, many Muslims were wrong, wrongly telling me that, that Muslims also believe in the Bible. Do you understand? They were saying, well, we also believe in the Bible or we believe in the original Bible. And this didn't make sense to me because, you know, the Bible was clearly not from, from the creator, you know, and, and neither the Christians were claiming it to be directly from the creator. You know, the Christian concept 
is that it's like a, a bio, biographical account. You know, the New Testament is a collection of biographies authored by certain individuals after the time of Isa, as opposed to something that was revealed to Isa, if that makes sense. And the same with the Old Testament. You know, it's something authored by people as opposed to uh, something uh, delivered to prophets. You know, of course, the Christians and the, and the Jews, they claim that, it, that these authors were inspired, um, but it's not something that was directly given to uh, the prophets. So me having this concept and Muslims wrong, wrongfully, wrongly telling me, oh, we believe in the Bible, this kind of led me not to be interested in Islam. It was, you just, Islam just sounded like another sect of Christianity or Mormonism, you know, another group of people who attach themselves to the Bible and they have something extra, you know, which is the Quran. And it didn't really interest me, to be honest, until I started to research Islam properly and realize that Muslims don't believe in the Bible. You know, they believe in actual books that were revealed to the likes of Musa and Isa and Dawood, etc. You know, these were books given to the prophets rather than um, the books authored by people about the prophets. You know, so, so my book really is just kind of discussing this, you know, um, looking at the Islamic perspective of revelation. Um, and of, of course, that has implications on how you now give dawah to Christians. And, and how you don't give that to Christians as well. Um, so that's a brief kind of uh, part of it, yeah. Jazakallah khair. So where can we find your book? Where can we purchase it? Is it up? No, I mean, I've got, I've got some uh, Dawah booklets that are, that are available free online. Um, they're printed in different uh, Dawah centers. Um, but I'm actually working on the big book now. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to be ready. Um, but I'm, I'm, it's something I'm working on, and yeah, I, th I think I personally think it's it's quite important. It's an important distinguished uh, distinction to make, really, um, because you know the speech in a lot of Muslims when they're giving dawah. Um, again, a lot of Muslims, especially in, in the likes of Hyde Park and online, a lot of Muslims fall into the mistake of that when they speak about the Bible. Uh, they kind of speak with speak about it in language that one could assume that Muslims believe in it or that we give it some credibility, and that can be very confusing for for um, you know a non-Muslim or even a convert or even a Muslim. You know, many Muslims, you know, have have a very wrong understanding about the Bible. You know, yeah. yes. I mean, what do you guys think of the Bible? It's interesting. <laughs> mm. I'll, I'll ask you guys. Listen, my guy, your story made me remember. Um, when I first went into uh, the church to get a baptism, I, I was with my fiance, my ex-fiance. And like, granted, I grew up with uh, Catholicism. Let me say it properly here, Catholicism. And um, some Christianity, then I went atheist, then I went new age, and I went back to Christianity. I remember this uh, woman, they were doing the baptism. And the woman was like, okay, repeat after me. Uh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I, I just looked at her and I was like, God is my Lord and Savior. Bro, <laughs> she was so upset. She didn't want to dunk me in the water at all, but she had to. So she dunked me in. And I think she held me underneath the water for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. But it, it goes to show, it goes to show that like the fitra 
is there. It's always there. And if you start to come back to it, you start to realize like, this doesn't really make sense, you know? And again, it it took me a while. Like I didn't have what you had where it's like, I was having people saying that, Oh, uh, Muslims saying that we believe in the Bible as well. It was more so just like, I saw so many religions. I saw so many uh, different books. I was just like, well, which one is it? You know? Mm-hmm. And you know, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, here we are. Oh. How many versions are there of the Bible? There's a lot. I heard there's a lot, dude. You got the Old Testament, you got the New Testament, you got the Jehovah's Bible, which I think is called the uh, the New the New Te- no, no no New World Testament or something like that. Mm-hmm. You got the King James. Yeah. Yo. Listen, you know what happened the other day? I was playing Call of Duty. And I meet this guy and I'm usually just, you know, when I'm in the lobbies, I get real, I get deep because you know, these are last broken people. Right. So I like talking about real stuff. And we were just having a talk about God and theism. And he's a, he's an African American brother. And contrary to everyone else, he's like, he, he's like, okay, I believe in God, but I don't believe that, you know, all races are equal. And I was like, what are you talking about, bro? And right off the bat, my radar went off. And he was like, I think black people are the real Jews. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then he starts telling me how Moses was black and Jesus was black and how the real Israelites were black. You know, come to find out, like, he's a black Hebrew Israelite, right? But he's telling me all these things. And, and I'm just like, my mind is blown. Like, you really believe that? And then I quickly, after the call, I did a little bit of research into black Hebrew Israelites. You know much about them or no? Me? Any of you? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's possible. I mean, uh, Musa, um, he would have been of darker complexion. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how dark, um, but there's a, there's, a, there's a hadith that speaks about this, an authentic hadith that speaks about Isa having light complexion. Of course, compared to what? You know, light complexion mm-hmm. compared to what? Compared to the Prophet وسلم, you know, um, c- compared to the Prophet or the Arabs, Isa salam was, was lighter, um, according to certain hadith. Um, and also uh, Musa, uh, Musa being being darker as well. Um, so, you know, this is not an issue in Islam, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, 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 you know, every tribe and nation was sent a prophet. You know, every tribe of the past was sent a prophet. Of course, since the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there's no more prophets. You know, the, uh, the Prophet Muhammad is the, is the last prophet for everyone now. But before that, prior to that, every tribe and nation was sent a prophet um, from amongst themselves. You know, in the language, speaking in the language of their people. You know, of course, Allah doesn't mention all the prophets um, throughout time. Um, there's there's a hadith that mentions there were 124,000 prophets mm-hmm. sent throughout time. Yeah. I think 315 of them were uh, messengers. Uh, actual, they have a, a higher status. There's there's two levels of a prophet. You know, there's the regular prophet, and then there's a, a rasul, which is a messenger. Uh, 315 of them were messengers. Um, some scholars say that the difference is that the messengers were given. Uh, a new uh, Sharia, 
a new revelation, whereas the, the regular prophet was preaching the previous Sharia or the previous uh, uh, revelation. Allah knows best. There's, there's differences of opinion about this. There's nothing really, uh, you know, um, you know, confirmed. There's, there's difference of opinion what the difference is, and and some scholars say it's the same thing as well. Um, the point is that you know that there were there were many prophets and messengers sent throughout time, you know, to every tribe and nation. You know, so they would have been the same complexion as their tribe. They would have spoke the same language. As their tribe, you know, of course, Allah only mentions uh, 25 or 26 mentioned in the Quran. You know, if you count Khidr, some some scholars count Khidr as a prophet, um, the Khidr which which was the companion of uh, Musa salam, which taught Musa. Um, so you know, there's 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 um, there's 25 or 26 mentioned in the Quran. Um, and most of them are from the Bani Israel, which are mentioned in the Quran. Some of the four of them, uh, or five of them, I should say, are Arabs. You know, the rest of them are Bani Israel. You know, uh, apart from the likes of Noah Salam and Adam, mm -hmm. not Bani Israel, but of course the Bani Israel do accept them as prophets. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very feasible that there were prophets with different from different uh, parts of the world, different tribes, different colors, different races, etc. Yeah, but for That's the guy, right. yeah, for the guy to think that uh, there's a superior. No, he, race. he basically said black supremacy is like legit, and the only way you could be savored by God is like if you're black. And I was like, why would that? Make God, sense. I, I clearly asked him one question too. I was like, look, I understand I'm Muslim myself, so I understand about this whole. There is no, you know, we shouldn't be racist and all that, but do you really think God would be racist? And he's like, of course. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, God preferred the black people, the true Israelites. And I was like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, do you hear yourself? Yeah, and he's, he's on like, that. Yeah. He's on that, if he's, bro. If he's on that, then what does he think about Adam? What's he going to say? Oh, Adam was black. And, bro, I think this whole conception of black is so flawed where it's like, dude, most black people are brown. Like real black people is like very few, and those are the ones that look burnt. Like they came out the oven, and I, I'm not talking bad about it. I'm just saying, like, look, if you want to talk about like actual black, this is black. The shirt that John is wearing is black. Your jacket is black. Rami's beanie is black. But most black people are actually brown. They are not black. They're like mixed. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's just me kind of like breaking it down here, but I think I think that's a very flawed perception yeah definitely I mean this is this is the problem when you don't have guidance when you don't have a revelation from Allah mm -hmm. your 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 desires kick in right the, mm -hmm. the Christians did it the the white Christians use Christianity exactly. you know, to promote white supremacy to conquer the world my people specifically you know the British people used it more than anyone um, I think the only um, uh, nation to use it as 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 widespread as Britain would probably be Portugal and maybe France, you know. But these these nations, Portugal, France, um, and the British, you know, they used Christianity to promote white supremacy, to to promote, um, you know, uh, you know their race basically, and 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 the. The black Israelites is the, the exact opposite. They're, they're doing the same thing. 
but under the under the uh, you know the, the 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 black race, you know, they just mm. the same thing. This is misguidance, you know. So mean, yeah. term, obviously, you know, we do believe that that there is that, of course. Um, the, the the prophet peace be upon him told us that he is from the best tribe, you know, from the, from the from the best tribe. That there is different status of tribes, okay, um, in terms of their morals, in terms of their lineage, you know, these things do matter, okay. But at the same time, there were some of the prophet's family members who are kuffar; they're not Muslim. So their tribe did not benefit them one bit. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, if you, the 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 the, uh, the 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 point of it benefiting you is means you have to accept Islam. You have to be Muslim in the first place for these things to actually benefit you. You know, so um, the Prophet did have a certain status, um, even from his lineage perspective, and even Isa you know, he had a, a, a righteous lineage. You know, his lineage came from both um, the, the tribe or the lineage of Dawood and um, Suleiman, as well as on the other side, uh, the paternal side, had the lineage of uh, obviously his mother Maryam and also going back to Harun and Musa. You know, so Isa Islam was very, you know, coming from a very, very strong lineage. Um, um, but again, this is no no reason to be uh, arrogant uh, because, mm -hmm. because of who you are, and it doesn't really help you unless you're following the guidance of Allah. You know, and this is the importance of having wahi, of having revelation, and being clear on you know what is our guidance, what do we follow, what makes us the best nation. You know, mm -hmm. that Allah mentions um, that we are the best nation. You know. You know, that you are the best nation for the people. Why? It's not automatic because you command the good, because you forbid the evil, and you believe in Allah. You know, that, this, that in order to be a part of this best nation, it's not because you're white, it's not because you're black, it's not because you're from a particular tribe. It's because you command the good and forbid the evil, according to the Quran and the Sunnah, okay, not according to your own desires. Okay, that's the that's the, the point. Mm -hmm. And you believe in Allah. That you know you have to believe in Allah. That's, that's the, the 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 core foundation. And you're basically following the guidance of the revelation and commanding it and forbidding the evil. You're commanding the good, you know, pushing, giving dawah, calling to it, advising your Muslim brothers. You know, uh, to to do good, uh, forbidding the evil that they do, and uh, this is what makes you the best nation. You know, and that's a very powerful ayah in the Quran um, that you are the best nation for the people, the best example to humanity. That's what it means, Subhanallah. Why? Because you command the good, forbid the evil, and you believe in Allah. And if you look at many ayah in the Quran. Subhanallah, where um, Allah refutes the, the previous nations of the Yahud and the Sara, um, you know, it's because they didn't command the good and forbid the evil. They just allowed people to go on doing what they want to do. And that's where the society goes into decline. And, and you lose all your morals. You know, that's when you just start following your desires. You know, so 
So, yeah. So do you think that that's what kind of uh, bred this whole Arab superiority thing? It's always been there. It's, it's, it's just something that has always been there and it Before will the always be there. It's always mm-hmm. going to be there. You're always going to have, if, if you've not got white people doing it to black people, you're going to have black people doing it to uh, lighter black people. You know, you have the, you're going to have Asian people doing it to lighter Asian or darker Asian people. You know, there's, there's huge colorism and racism in, in India, you know, mm. between the, what we would class as one race, they would split it into many different castes. You know, you know, subhanAllah, they would say, well, these people are lighter. These are, you know, these people are darker. And, the, you know, they've got these issues within the same race, you know. So you, it's just something that's always going to be there, you know. Um, you know, uh, there was also these type of things that happened uh, with the early Muslims as well. And it's Islam that dictated and, and corrected it. It didn't wipe it off, off the earth. Islam didn't wipe it on, off the earth. Islam stood as a, there as a test of time to always compare ourselves to because every single generation is going to fall into that mistake. It's not something that can be cured because, you know, it's like, it's like um, uh, lying and uh, zina and stealing. The, you know, it, it, every nation needs to be taught that these are haram. Every nation needs to stay away from, the, from that. It's not something that gets cured and then your offspring don't do that anymore. You know, it's, it's mm. a constant test. It's, it's, we're always going to have racism. It's, it's never going to go away. Speaking of, speaking of misguidance, when you were speaking on that a bit earlier, um, let's go into that because I know a lot of people that, including Muslims, they do some weird stuff back then. Uh, back, back in like back home countries, India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan. I hear a lot of stuff about black magic. Right. Mm-hmm. And they claim to be Muslim. They claim to be, you know, but it's like it's shirk to some degree because they, they think they, they have this, you know, connection to um, Allah in some other way or they use jinn. So do you personally have any experience with any of that or not really? Yeah, yeah. Of course, I've seen it throughout the world, um, you know, different uh, almost every uh, almost not every but almost every country has um mm things that have crept into Islam, whether it's um, innovations, things that are not a part of the religion. It might be small, it might be big. Um, and as you said, in, in some cultures, some countries, even bigger problems have happened like shirk, you know, people, you know, um, dealing with jinn, you know, magicians, um, marabouts, what, well, that's what they're called in, in, in certain parts of Africa, magicians. Um, People, um, you know, attributing uh, attributes of Allah to the creation, whether whether they're dead or alive, you know, these things are very common. Um, And as you said, it's by people who identify as Muslim. And as Muslims, we still, there's still, we still see them as Muslim. We we don't do takfir on on ignorant people. Does that make sense? Um, somebody just because somebody may be doing an act of kufr or an act of shirk, uh, we don't uh, uh, just just say they're not Muslim. Uh, that's not how it works in Islam. Um, we believe that they would have the, 
you know, the excuse of ignorance and that would, that's our job now to give dawah to these people, to call them away from that thing. Of course, if they were to persist in these evil things after being taught the truth, you know, some scholars, you know, may, may, uh, may, may actually see them as not Muslim, you know, um, but that's not our job, you know, as, 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 as just basic Muslims to go around just calling everyone a non-Muslim. You know, that's not how it works. You know, there's things that we do that are not good uh, or right, you know, from an Islamic perspective. There's things that every single one of us do um, because we're ignorant, because maybe we, we don't know um, the evil in, in doing something, you know. So that's got a lot to guide us. That's why it's important to, you know, to try to, to do the best we can. Mm. SubhanAllah. I was watching an episode uh, that you had with Aira. You were talking with Musa Adnan and you were going into uh, this, I forgot what it was. I forgot if it was, if, if it was like an amulet coin or something like that that you had. Um, and when I heard that story, mm. I was like, SubhanAllah. Do you want to go into that a bit if you're, if you're cool for a lot of people that aren't really uh, familiar with that? Yeah, so amulets are things like lucky charms, which, which kind of um, magicians will, will give you um, sometimes they have Quran inside them, um, but most of the time it's just uh, magic. You know, it's gibberish or the spells or it's names of jinn. Um, and and people in many different Muslim countries throughout many countries in Africa, even parts of Arabia, um, in the Far East, in in the Middle East, in in Asia, Pakistan, India, these things are very common, where. Uh, the Muslims wear them and they seek protection from them. Um, and, and this is very dangerous, especially in this day and age, because, you know, uh, a lot of the time it's known that most of these things are uh, involving shirk and dealings with the jinn, you know. Um, there's two opinions regarding amulets, um, you know, uh, some of the early scholars, um, they did allow amulets. Um, but it had to be Quran. Um, but I personally follow the opinion that it's not permissible um, to wear um, these things. Um, I think that we should recite the, the ayah of the Quran, like Ayatul Kursi, etc., for protection rather than wear it. But, you know, um, you know, some people say, well, you know, these early scholars allowed amulets. Okay, maybe they did, but the point is that uh, most of the scholars uh, say it's not permissible. And in this day and age, when you know that 90 or the majority percent of these amulets are dealing with shirk, you know, they have, um, you know, they're dealing with jinn, you know, and, and, and most of them are just lies as well. It's, it's just, a, you know, a trickster taking money from you and giving mm. you, you know, an amulet. You know, most of them don't even know how to deal with jinn as well. So it's... It's just, um, you know, Allah has given us a protection in the Quran and the Sunnah. He's told us how to protect ourselves. You know, first of all, protecting ourselves with wudu and praying our five daily prayers on time. This is your biggest protection. And you find that most people that wear amulets are not even praying. So, you know, you're, you're trying to seek protection in these uh, these things, which are doubtful and, mm -hmm. and very doubtful. When you know you're not even doing the basics, um, you know your adhkar and things like that. 
So, um, you know, it, it's just useless. It's pointless. Um, but these things did, uh, I, I was aware of these things before Islam, and they were very real. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd come into contact with people who were dealing with the jinn before Islam, and it was very real. You know, some of the things I've seen, and, you know, it's, it's definitely true. And then, uh, um, you know, Islam was the only religion that had an explanation for the jinn. You know, I believed in jinn before Islam. I believed there was this parallel world, but I didn't know how it how it worked, you know. And I watched a lecture by uh, a sheikh, Dr. Bilal Phillips, and he explained how the jinn get their information. You know, um, some of them can fly, some of them can take information um, from the samat. You know, when the when the when the information is being delivered to the angels, etc., they can steal some of this information. So the jinn sometimes they tell you truth, but they also give you a lot of lies and they play a lot of tricks. You know, so um, that lecture was very influential on me to understand that Islam has an answer for this supernatural um, thing. So yeah. Have you had uh, experience with these things before, or? I have, I have. Yeah, what I have two. you experienced? Me? Yeah. I've had two experiences personally. Um, one of them was, have you heard of this thing called remote viewing? Remote viewing on the on the computer? No, it's it's <laughs> it's basically where people can see what you're seeing without being with you. Oh no, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it sounds, I know, it sounds, it sounds rubbish, but bear with me. There was this guy that I barely knew. I gave him a, I'm like an online coach, so I make like these uh, workout programs, right? So I made like an out, at home workout program, and he, I think, bought uh, one copy of it. And that's the last we spoke. And then he hits me up like a year after. I think I told both of you about this. And he hits me up a year after saying, hey man, I have some, I have a review, and I have some feedback if you want it. I'm just like, bro, a year later, like, what are you on? And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Like, give me the feedback, right? And this man starts telling me, instead of my, my program, he starts telling me things about me. And I was like, <clears throat> I was like, I barely know. Him. And even if I knew him, I wouldn't have told him these things. But I was like, okay, maybe it's a coincidence. He starts telling me more things. And I was just like, what? Like, how do you know all that? Like, we don't even talk, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, that's that's kind of interesting. Um, he's from the UK, by the way. And again, it was a year later. So I was like, okay, uh, whatever. I didn't really. And he's like, oh, you, do you want to know how I know these things? And I was like, tell me, bro. <laughs> and he's like, I'm doing this thing called remote viewing. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, uh, look it up. So I, I go on my phone. I Google it, right? Apparently, this is this is things that people used in like World War II. There's U.S. government websites saying this is banned and it is one of the most illegal crimes that you can commit. And I'm like, bro, why would this be a crime? This makes no sense. And if the U.S. government knows about it, why is it not mainstream, right? And I look a little bit more into it. And it basically, it's when you can see what somebody else is seeing through their eyes without being with them. And I was like, bro, this, this sounds like rubbish. Like, and then I, I leave uh, my kitchen and I come back to my room and he's like, oh, why'd you leave? And I was just like, what do you mean why I leave? And then I went outside and he's like, oh, why are you outside now? And now I'm like, okay, that's weird. Maybe, maybe he has uh, 
you know, access to my camera. Maybe he hacked my phone. I don't know. That's a, that could be a thing, right? So I'm, I'm here trying to rationalize what's going on. And I then turn off my phone. I go another day just doing me. And this man literally told me everything I did, bro. Yeah. He's and just, I'm just like... It sounds to me like he's just dealing with gin. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So I told Rami about the same thing. Rami's just like, bro, just, just don't even... You know, so I obviously like blocked that. That was one encounter. The second encounter was... Uh, I woke up one day and... This is something you never do after waking up. I had some feeling or some instinct to just check my camera roll, right? Nobody wakes up one day. People check their phone. People check their messages, maybe. But they never check their camera roll, right? So I go to my photos for some reason, and I see um, there was two recordings, two video recordings from a couple hours ago. I went to sleep around 1 or 2 a.m. I, I woke up around 10 a.m. And the recording was from about 4.19 a.m. I still remember the time. But it was 4.19 a.m. And it was obviously in my room where my phone is, right? So it was dark. And it was like a 15-second clip. So I watched the whole thing. John, you're not going to believe that I didn't find anything on it. There was no movement. There was nothing. So I kind of just, you know, turned it off. I got up, brushed my teeth. And I was like, okay, it's a video. That means there must be audio too. So I go back on my phone. I click the, I click the thing on my camera roll. I put up the sound. You're not going to believe what I heard. Um, basically, this was back when I lived in my parents' house. I live by myself now. But, you know, in my mom's, not in my mom's, in my room, my mom kept extra mattresses under my bed, right? And she, like, padded them up with, like, these plastics and stuff. What you could hear was something clawing at the plastics and trying to rip it, right? And now I'm kind of sketched out. So I look under my bed. And this thing's all messed up. It's torn. And I'm like, yo, this is weird. This was under my bed. But anyway, I keep listening to the video. And suddenly, all you could hear is whoever or whatever is tearing the, the plastic. They stop. And you could hear footsteps as they're taking off. You literally hear, like, little footsteps. And now I'm like, bro, why did they just, like, chicken out or whatever? So yeah. I call my dad. He's at work. And I was like, yo. Did you wake up last night and taking the videos from 419, right? <clears throat> and he's like, yeah, I woke up three times. I woke up once to go to work in the morning. Time before that, I woke up around 6. Um, and the time before that, I woke up around 420. And the videos from 419. And the time he woke up at 6, I believe, was Fudger. But I was like, okay, when you woke up at 420, what did you do? He's like, oh, I just woke up, checked my phone, checked the time. And I remember seeing 420 and I just went back to sleep. I didn't even like leave my bed. And I'm thinking, bro, what if the gin or whatever that was thought my dad woke up and just panicked or just maybe they didn't, they thought there was no other presence and then they, they sent my dad awake. Maybe they took off. Maybe they wanted to harm me. Who knows? That's crazy. It's hella crazy, man. And when I tell people they get goosebumps, I'm getting goosebumps. But yeah, I got since, goosebumps. since then, I kind of, I knew that this was very real. Islam yeah. had an understanding explanation for it. So I started doing some, some research. I found these clinical studies saying that um, mainly for Rukia and negative iron treatment, I did some research into that. And basically using a pink salt lamp, one of those Himalayan salt lamps, which release negative ions into the... Because jinn don't like negative ions. That is a fact. Many people don't know about this. We talked about this in, a, in an episode we did on jinn and Rukia and black magic. So um, there's clinical studies showing that jinn that create infertility 
mental illness in a lot of people, these cases were only cured through negative ion treatment, right? Negative ions being released by, uh, by uh, the pink salt lamps, right? I got one right behind me. And I started using that every night. <clears throat> Let me get sorry. that information from. How do you know they don't like that? Oh, there's uh, there's clinical studies that that they've talked about cases that have uh, had successful people that were infertile for one because they believe that infertility was caused by jinn. They have uh, references from uh, hadith that I found for that. Um, and then they talk about how uh, these people have been trying to conceive for years, never successful, right? Um, I even know the chick's name. She's a PhD. Um, and Apparently, when they did the Sorokia negative ion treatment, like Rokia combined with negative ion treatment, they were able to conceive just like that. People that have had uh, anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, uh, borderline personality disorder, all caused by jinn, they believe. And then they do the negative ion treatment in Rokia, they're straight. And my mind is blown. So for me, I can't speak on that. I do know these are like peer-reviewed, I guess, primary literature. But what I personally had was I was kind of hopeless. My man, if you had something on your camera roll and you had all these things that I had, you're kind of desperate, right? So I didn't really look too much into these, but what I did was I was like, okay, this has a, this is a reputable article, right? I buy myself uh, a Himalayan pink salt lamp. And what I will say is I could never see any gin, but I could feel gin. And for me, I never knew what gin felt like until I felt the presence of them not there. So all those nights in my room. Know, I don't know. You know, um, it's, hmm. it's really unseen. And um, even, even when it comes to Rukia, mm -hmm. a lot of the um, techniques in Rukia are not necessarily things that are clearly documented in the Quran and the Sunnah. Mm -hmm. You know, apart from, you know, certain ayah that are mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah, um, which are, you know, known um, to be used specifically as a protection, mm -hmm. like Ayatul Khursi, um, you know, this Turmuk, yeah. was, you know, the one a, a shaitan actually said, use Ayatul Khursi, it will protect you from shaitan, you know, mm. a, a shaitan that, <laughs> that recommended that to one of the Sahabi. Um, so um, the point is that there's certain ayah that have been clearly mentioned as, as a protection, you know. But a lot of rukya is, is kind of um, experience from, from scholars and, and different, um, you know, uh, rakis, people who perform rukya. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, subhanAllah, I believe that if you, if you, you know, if you're doing what you can in terms of, you know, making your, sure your salah is on time, you're reading your anta, mm. staying in, you know, uh, away from these uh, evil things, um, you know, you have a higher, higher percentage of, of not being affected by evil things. And if you're, you know, in evil places like nightclubs or you're not praying your salah, you know, these people are more likely to be affected by jinn. But that's not to say that religious practicing people are not affected by jinn. Mm -hmm. I know yeah. very religious people who are very good people from what we know of, okay? Um, but they've been affected by sihr and jinn and these things. Um, I would just say to put more trust and the majority of your trust into the Quran, you know, the, the in reciting your adha, what we're told to, 
um, you know, in the morning and the evening. You know, you might have seen this fortress of a Muslim. You have one of these? Mm -hmm. Yep, I do. Yeah, so... Um, so this, you know, has all the list of different adha, especially that you can make as a protection before, you know, you sleep. And, and this will you'll be fine, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, no, this was something that happened like two, two and a half years ago, man. I wasn't even practicing back then. Um, I, don't, I don't believe, I, I, I don't necessarily believe that somebody was seeing through your eyes. Um, mm. Is that something that... that yeah, yeah. That, you know, I believe that it, it, it's a jinn, right? So the jinn, our jinns communicate with each other. Every, mm -hmm. every human has a karina, a jinn. So yeah. this man, who is most probably a magician, I'm, I, when I say a magician, somebody who's communicating with a jinn, messing mm. around, he's a magician, okay? So his uh, jinn is probably communicating with your jinn, telling him, oh, he's just gone out of the room, or he's just gone to the garden, you know, and that's as much... Yeah. They have. It's not that they are seeing every single thing that you do. You mm -hmm. probably said, "Yeah, you know, um, you know." He he like he probably told him your favorite food, or he told him information about you, mm -hmm. which there's no way this guy knows. And I've had that myself. I had that in Africa where this particular magician was telling telling me things that only I know about myself. How does he get that information? Because my jinn, my Karin, my companion who is with me from birth and mm -hmm. he's traveling with me side by side, knows everything about me. He knows my favorite cakes. He knows what every single bit of information about mm. me. So then when he meets the other jinn, he's telling him, he says, yeah, tell him this and it'll make him believe in you, you know? And so this is how people get caught up with fortune tellers and, and tarot card readers and palm readers, because the palm reader, a lot of them are fake. Don't get me wrong. A lot of them are fake. They don't know anything. They're just reading you from a psychological perspective. But mm. those of them who do actually know how to communicate with the jinn, it's so simple. The jinn is telling them information about you. Mm -hmm. so the palm readers like, yeah, you know, he used to go to this school and, you know, uh, you know, he's just telling you information it, and it, it looks really complicated, but in reality, it's just a trick from the gin. Mm. I heard yeah. apparently like you had an experience with uh, with an amulet coin in in, uh, in Africa. Something like yeah. that or yeah, you want to you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, before Islam, you know, a lot of my friends mm. were involved in bad things. OK, you know, so in order to do these bad things, you have to live and do what they do. And. <laughs> And they use these things as a protection. You know, a lot of criminals um, who are doing bad things, they believe in these things. They, they go to the, the marabout, they get, you know, some sort of uh, spell on them or uh, a, an amulet, which is supposed to protect you from the police, you know, and these type of things. And it happens. It actually works, you know, because it, it boosts really? your... The whole purpose is it, it, they want... They want to bring you into kufr. They want you to believe in these things, uh, which takes you outside of Islam, right? You know, you, you start believing in this little amulet is protecting you, then that's kufr, right? You know, mm. so that's, that's the goal of the magician. So, you know, maybe when the policeman catches me, 
you know, the jinn scares him or the jinn tells him, leave him, let him go. So then it happens and then your iman is boosted more and more in this amulet. So you go in deeper and deeper into kufr and shirk, you know. So yeah, I had experience in these things. Um, alhamdulillah, Allah guides and... Um, alhamdulillah. No, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. What were you saying about everyone has a jinn? Because there's the this woman... Yeah, I want you to elaborate on that because before I came to Islam, maybe like a year before, I spoke to this woman and she was on this like new age stuff. But she said, not a jinn, she referred to it as a demon. Yes. But we, we can both see it as like the same thing pretty much. And she was saying that like everyone has uh, a jinn, for lack of better words, assigned to them from birth. Yes, it's true. I mean, this is an Islamic concept we believe everyone has a companion a kareem with them from the jinn creation you know so this jinn will be it's around you it's it's it is you know it's around you if you know the prophet وسلم, his jinn became a muslim you know um so this this kareem is with you throughout your life and you know in the cartoons where you see You've got a devil on one shoulder mm -hmm. and an angel on the other. You know, the devil's whispering bad things, the angel's whispering good things. We kind of have that concept in Islam, you know, where, you know, we do have the jinn who are whispering evil things, you know. They whisper us and they give us, you know, when you sometimes maybe you have that very evil thought and you're like, Billah, this isn't me, this isn't my, my thought, this is a whisper. The same way you can have... A, 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 a devil or a, a, shayt, a companion who is a shaitan from the humans. You can have a friend who is evil. He's also a shaitan. You know, shaitan are not only jinn. Some shaitan can be humans. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're an evil human, you're a shaitan. If you're an evil jinn, you're a shaitan. Not all jinn mm. are shayateen, and not all shaitan are jinn. You know, um, so you know, these shayateen are whispering to you to do evil things. And at the same time, the angel is encouraging you to do good things, you know, um, reminding you, um, also protecting you. Um, so, yeah, this is this is in Islam, you know. So can a Korean harm us? Can it harm us? Well, yeah, our own Korean. Well, when you look at jinn in general, uh, yeah, jinn can harm you. They can harm you by whispering to you, making you think bad things, um, encouraging you to do bad things. They can also physically harm you as well. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know they can possess you. They can harm you. Um, I don't know specifically about your Kareem, but your yeah. Kareem, but generally, jinn, yeah, they can harm yeah, you. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. They seek protection. Mm. If they couldn't harm us and they couldn't, affect us, we would not need to seek protection from them, you know. Mm. Um, but we, the protection is in the Qur'an, in reciting mm. the Qur'an. Uh, you know, not, uh, I wouldn't put all my trust in a lamp. <laughs> we, we need, not, not all your trust in the lamp, Aki. I mean, you know, I don't know specifically about the lamp, but mm -hmm. if protection is, is in the Qur'an. Oh, 100%, 100%. So, yeah. That is my wait, wait, wait. experience. Why, why do we have a jinn? The Kareem? 
Yeah, why do we have that? The Quran is there to, as a test. Is everything in life is a test, and and so the Quran is there as a test as well. You know, the Quran is the Quran is testing us. You know, encouraging us to do bad. The same way your evil friend is testing you, telling you come to the nightclub, you know, or do this or do that. Your friend is a test, you know. So you know the the, the point is that it, we have to overcome these tests, you know. And 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 how do we overcome them? By 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 living the correct way as best we can according to Islam. So. Um, Alhamdulillah. But this is, the, this is the importance of having revelation in the first place. As we come back to revelation, you know, this is the guidance from Allah. This, this Quran, that is our guidance, subhanAllah. You know, and, and, the, and the teachings of the Prophet, وسلم, we have to obey, you know, obey Allah and his messenger, whether we like it or not. You know, sometimes we do things that we, we think are good. But in fact, there's a lot of harm in it as well, you know. So, but yes, subhanAllah. Allah. I, you know, I know a lot of people like this topic of jinn and things like that. But I think people give this topic too much uh, attention. Yeah, they're not, they're not they're not as strong and as powerful as you think. Yeah, and weak. Mm. When we have the Quran, when you recite the Quran, they're very terrified of the Quran. I don't know if you if you have ever experienced um, someone who's possessed and experienced rukia when when mm -hmm. when around in rukia. You know the 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 jinn are very weak. Weak. When it comes to the Quran, subhanallah. Have you experienced it? Of course, yes. Yeah, subhanallah, it's it's a so very what's sad. What's happened? Yeah, I mean the Quran it 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 burns them. It kill it kills the jinn. You know it 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 affects them. You know, it, it it really affects the jinn when when they possess a human. The, the Quran is a is, is subhanallah. You, you really see the, the the real power of the of the of the Quran. You know, it's the kalam Allah. It's the words of Allah. You know, very strong, very powerful. You know, when Allah says it's a protection, it's a protection. You know, especially mm. the certain ayah that are used. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting topic, mm. but you know, I want to. What about Dawah to Christians? I want to speak about that. <laughs> all the time, right in. These topics of jinn, they like to feel um, the hairs on the back of their neck stand up. <laughs> I have to admit, bro, you're you're a good storyteller. Subhanallah, you had me there with the scratch. Mm. I know they brother, had, they had me. brother Rami was not comfortable in his seat. It was ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, subhanallah, Rami. Rami, before you go Rami. to sleep tonight, you have to look under your bed. Yeah, la hawla wa la quwwata billah. Recite some ayat al kursi, inshallah. But Rami, I know you had some stuff to uh, to ask uh, brother John on. Uh, just how a Christian, so lead away with your questions, bro. Um, I mean, I, I asked a general question about about Dawah to Christian Christians, but um, so give us a sneak peek of the book. What are the do's and don'ts about Dawah to Christians? I know you mentioned don't say we just take the Bible and accept it, but uh, what else is there? Yeah, I mean, I I prefer you know when we when we speak into Christians, mm -hmm. 
we have to educate them. We have to treat it as an education. You know, I'm just looking at it from a non-Muslim perspective. Like before Islam, I knew nothing about Islam. So how am I supposed to come to Islam unless you've educated me about Islam? You know, Iman, belief, is based on knowledge. It's not based on jinn stories. Mm -hmm. Iman, you know, your belief, that, that feeling of Iman is not based on scary stories. It's based on knowledge, learning about Allah, learning about his messenger, learning about the Islamic perspective of Isa salam, and Musa and Ibrahim and hellfire and paradise and the, you know, all these things. That's how we're going to become a Muslim. That's how someone enters Islam. They can't enter Islam unless they have a certain level of knowledge. How can someone become a Muslim if they don't know that we believe in the absolute oneness of Allah? You know, if somebody still believes Isa is the son of Allah, or Isa has some powers, you know, or things like this, or, you know, they can't become a Muslim unless they have the correct knowledge. So with Dawah, we have to treat it like a, 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 a process of education, teaching them all the basics of Islam. You know, it's not necessarily refuting them, refuting them, refuting their religion, Yes, there's a time and a place for refuting their religion, but you don't have to refute Christianity unless they're trying to defend Christianity. The sincere people, they're going to accept everything you say. They're willing to learn about Islam. You know, nobody had to disprove Christianity to me because I'd already disproved it myself. I needed, I needed to know about Islam. So a lot of the Dawah should be focused on teaching uh the Christian, the, the, the Islamic way, the Islamic beliefs. <clears throat> so much effort goes into just proving their belief wrong rather than telling them what we believe, you know. So do you think it's more feasible to start with establishing common ground? Common ground is one way to get them interested, people who are attached to their religion, you know, showing them who believe in Isa salam and Maryam. But I think that the way is to uh, to teach them the Islamic perspective of Allah, you know, that is absolute oneness, the Islamic perspective of prophets and messengers. They don't have that concept fully. Mm -hmm. Islamic perspective of revelation, you know, the Islamic perspective of judgment day and the, and the hereafter. The Islamic perspective of angels, the Islamic perspective of divine decree. These are the six pillars of Iman. You know, in the Hadith of Jibreel, you know, Jibreel came and asked, what is Islam? And the Prophet said the five pillars of Islam. You know, what is Iman? And he mentioned the six pillars of Iman. Belief in Allah, the angels, the books, the prophets, the judgment day, the divine decree. So these are the core foundational beliefs that, that need to be uh, articulated and, and conveyed um, for, for the, uh, the person who's interested mm -hmm. um, in the correct way as well. First of all, we have to have the correct belief. Otherwise, we're going we're gonna to convey the wrong belief. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, that's true.
So how would you give that to a Christian? I want to I wanna ask you guys. Hmm. Let's start with uh, <clears throat> the newest Muslim, Reaver brother. And I'll go first. Uh, well, that I do not know. The only thing that I could say is uh, lead by my actions. Just because, like, my knowledge isn't extensive. You know, so, like, if I'm being the best Muslim that I can be, um, they'll see that. And it'll speak louder than anything I can say right now. Allah. Allah. That's true. Allah. Fayad. <clears throat> mm, a blend between action and uh, establishing common ground. Mm. That's fair. No? I, uh, I talked to Brother Ijaz uh, once. I was supposed to have a debate, but it kind of just went up in the wind. But um, mm. debate with Ijaz? No, no, not with Ijaz. No, he would, he would, he'd probably kill me. But uh, uh, a debate about Christianity. Well, I mean, he couldn't kill me because we have the same beliefs. Alhamdulillah. But um, I asked him like, what are some arguments and, and all this stuff, and he told me, listen, establishing Tawheed is is disproving the Trinity. So all you need to do is is, is teach Tawheed, talk about Tawheed, and then teach it properly. Uh, and, and subhanallah it's 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 very in line with what you're saying just teach islam because uh, that's all they really need and i was like subhanallah you know that's true so i think what i would do is i would i would establish islamically and deductively that god can only be one having a son a daughter um companions associates all that stuff it doesn't even really make sense uh deductively from a, like, just kind of deduce that um, but also from an Islamic perspective, um, give that. And I think that's essentially how I would do it. I, I'm, I've been trying to stay away from the Bible, but as soon as you said that, um, you know, G people who believe Jesus have some kind of power, you know, like, like stuff for Allah, they shouldn't believe that they're already like, they can't be Muslim if they believe that. The first thing that popped in my head was, oh, in the Bible, Jesus says, I have my own self can do nothing. But then I realized I'm kind of falling in a trap of using the Bible, mm -hmm. um, and I was going to ask for your opinion on that. Should we just com completely avoid using the Bible? Um, you know, I, I have a pr principle for my own self, right? Because mm. I think we can um, they, they, we can use the Bible in a very limited way. Um, and I think the first way, the first point about using the Bible, we have to make it very clear that we don't believe in it. We don't use the Bible as an evidence for our own belief mm. does that make sense so you can use it to to explain to them what they're supposed to believe but using it i believe using it as an evidence for our own belief is problematic for a few reasons and i'll i'll mention some of the reasons in a moment but so let me give you an example because examples make it more clear so um, you mentioned that when Jesus says in the Bible, I of my own self can do nothing. The problem with saying that is, number one, okay, did Jesus actually say that? Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Can we prove that Isa no. said that from an Islamic perspective? Now, if we go with the apparent meaning of it, that Jesus says, I can't do anything, you know, except what God helps. It doesn't go against Islam. Mm -hmm. You know, the apparent meaning of it doesn't um, go against the teachings of Islam. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. 
like for instance, the, there's some verses that would go against Islam. For instance, Jesus being called the Son of God. Okay, of course we can debate on what Son means, but the concept of Son of God anyway, even as a as a kunya, as a nickname, does not fall within the Islamic narrative. We don't. We've never called prophets sons. You know. So the point is that if we uh, the problem with quoting the Bible is you could quote it, you could quote that verse to show what they believe. But the problem is Muslims fall into the trap of quoting it as if we believe Isa said that. And we don't mm. even know what he did. Yeah. So you know, the Bible, it doesn't, we can't trace the Bible back to Isa or Musa. It has no chain of transmission. Yeah. It's not in the language of Isa and Musa. You know, um, it doesn't claim to be the Kitab Allah. It doesn't claim to be the Injil. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's the New Testament. It's a collection of biographies. It's not the book that was given to Jesus. It's not that, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the Torah that was given to Moses. Okay, they label it the Torah or they label parts of the Bible the Torah, but it's not the Torah that was given to Moses. It's not the book that Allah gave to Musa. The Torah that they labeled, the, the books that they labeled the Torah today, are like biographies. That's not what Allah gave to Musa. So, um, as I said, I think it can be pro- problematic uh, quoting the Bible, especially when we're quoting it with our own tafsir. Like you had your own understanding of what that verse means. I of my own self can do nothing, right? Number one. You're not sure that Isa said that. Number two, uh, you don't, you can't be sure on what the tafsir is, what the meaning of it is. You know, the Christian could argue, well, yeah, that's it, it, Jesus couldn't do anything except with the Father, but the Father and the Son are one. They have their own explanation, right? Yeah. Um, I think there's certain things, historical things we can mention. You know. Um, but we have to be very careful. I think, number one, it has to be a Judo-Christian tafsir. Not our own tafsir, not an Islamic explanation of the verse. Mm-hmm. It has to be their explanation, right? And um, as I said, we have to be very clear from the beginning. We don't believe in it as a, as a text. We're simply quoting it to show you what, to, to, to point out and explain what you believe, you know. Yeah. Um, and also, I think there's certain things like from a historical perspective and a logical perspective we can point out, like where Isa says that he has a God. You know, my God and your God. This is um, this indicates that Isa had a God. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't believe we, we're not confirming Isa said that. We're not confirming the Bible to be true. We're just pointing out that from their perspective, Isa says he has a God. You know, what does that mean? Mm. So therefore, we should question them more about the Bible than rather give our own interpretations. I'll give you an example. If, you know, like, there's there's obviously things that are true in the Bible, right? You know, like it, it speaks about Isa, salam, it speaks about Musa, but it doesn't mean that it's from, from Allah. 
you know, truth can come from many different places, you know. So when we're speaking to them, ask them, what does this mean? You know, question them. Let them get that. They'll get doubts about the book. You know, ask them, how is this connected back to, to Isa? Speak about the lack of preservation of the scripture, the language of the scripture. I think these things are helpful. Uh, but we have to be careful in not speaking in a way that makes them think that we actually give it credibility. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. problematic. Yeah, yeah it, it, it makes me think because um, you look at the Torah that is found today, the Bible that's found today, and the Quran that's found today. One thing that you can link through all three of them is that Musa and Isa both performed miracles. Now, those miracles were a direct result of Allah, right? And when a Christian says, like, oh, well, Jesus is God because he performed these miracles, it's like, well, then what is Musa? Yeah. You know, Musa performed miracles too. Is, is he God? Is he is he another God? Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some, some Christians I've even heard say that uh, Jesus has to be God because he didn't have a father or something. And I was like, if, if anyone's by that account, then Adam Salam should have been God then. I was a bit loud because he didn't even have a mom or dad. Yeah. Right? Like, exactly. where do you draw the line between inferring things, but then kind of taking actual revelation? Yeah, these are examples Allah uses in the Quran. You know, the two examples Allah used, you know, he compared uh, Isa Islam to Adam. Same thing, you know, it's just a miracle. And even, even Yahya, Yahya was a miracle. You know, uh, the cousin of Isa, mm-hmm. you know, because his, uh, his mother was, was very old, you know, and, and it was a miracle that Yahya was even conceived you know, so, you know, the, the story of Yahya and Isa is very similar. You know, um, the, the mother of Maryam uh, was making dua, you know, for a child. She was, she was old. Um, uh, Zachariah and his wife were making dua for a child. You had Isa, salam, you had Yahya, both of them were, were born. The, the angel came to tell Maryam and also tell the mother of Yahya about, you know, uh, sorry, told Zachariah um, that, that the Yahya would come and Isa would come. The stories are very similar. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Surah Maryam speaks about that. You know, first it speaks about Zachariah and, and Yahya and then it speaks about Maryam. You know, and again, you know, uh, the stories are very similar. Ahia, uh, anyone that is currently watching that's Christian, and has made it this far. Uh, before we close out this episode, do you have any words of advice to point them in the right direction? Yeah, I would just encourage them to to learn about Islam. You know, learn the basics of Islam. You know, learn what the beliefs are of a Muslim. Maybe read the Quran in an English translation if you if you have it. Um, learn. You know, try and learn more about Islam and just be honest with yourself. You know, mm. you're sincere and you want to find a true religion, you know, put your head on the ground, right? And ask the creator to guide you. You know, when you're alone in your bedroom, <laughs> late at night, put your head on the floor and ask the creator to guide you. If you're sincere, 
And if Islam is the way, accept it. When it, com- when it becomes clear to you, don't delay it. Accept Islam. You know, don't, don't lie to yourself. You know, just accept it. You know, that's, that's the thing. MashaAllah. Well, I mean, I think uh, I got my answer. SubhanAllah. JazakAllah khairan, brother. John Fontaine, it's been honestly an amazing episode. May Allah bless you and reward you for all the work you do. To all the viewers who made it this far, uh, comment hashtag Yahya because Yahya is, is John in English, subhanAllah. Um, I think it's fitting. So with that being said, subhanAllah, follow up, keep up with the brother John on his YouTube, on his socials and wait for his book to come out. Dawah to Christians, inshallah ta'ala. Any last words, brother John? No, thanks for having me on. It's nice to meet you. You too, Javier. It's been Likewise. a pleasure. All right. Check out Young Smirks and check out uh, John Fontaine channel as well. Inshallah. Link in the description. Inshallah. Sorry. Yes, sir. Right. With that being said, Allahumma atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adam al nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Salam.